Hey everyone, I'm Anna Ryan. And I'm Jess Master Cole from the Overrun Podcast. We're starting a new podcast called Glam. A podcast run by women for women in EMS. We're taking a look at female experience in the field and talking to some female leaders in the industry. And giving a voice to all the ladies out there. Glam, coming soon to the Overrun Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Overrun Podcast. My name is Ed Bowder. I'm Dan Schwester. I'm Kevin Mazza. And I'm Jess Mastercool. And today we're going to talk about uh, something that happened late last year. This is in December. Yeah, this uh, is another of our what the actual yeah. features. <laughs> what? Where we point what? out something happened. so hideously wrong. How could it have happened? So this is coming from a ProPublica article. It was also picked up by the Providence Journal and GEMS. Um, they'll be linked down in the show notes. So essentially what ended up happening was a, a physician named Dr. Nick Aslan was doing research on cardiac arrest in Rhode Island. Uh, and his research assistant made a very shocking discovery, which is that no less than 11 patients have been brought into the ER with esophageal tubes. Um, now, this is over the course of two Unrecognized. Unrecognized. Right. Now, this is over the course of two and a half years, and 11 seems like a fairly small number, but the issue isn't so much the number as it is that they went unrecognized. No one did anything about it. And yeah, this also, is commonly regarded in airway management as this is a never event. Never this event. can't yeah, ever this happen. can't happen. And so we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about the... Uh, I don't want to say repercussions from it because that's not really what happened. But we'll, we'll we're going to. I mean, oh no, we should talk about, about the the repercussions that didn't happen. Yeah, I was about to oh, say no, no, the yeah, ones no, that don't exist and what the yeah. implications are for that's, paramedics. Yeah, my, yeah. my point is more. I don't know that repercussions is the right word for it because consequences, 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 which again are fallout. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> for the eleven people that died. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's a pretty right. big yeah, consequence. Right? So this is kind of the just the background real quick. The state of Rhode Island is a system where you can be an EMT and you can intubate patients provided you have a level of training that's called EMT cardiac. Um, they are one of the few states that do this. Some some programs yeah, there's have a, a couple level. states that still do this. Yeah, it's like it's an intermediate so gimmicky, level. Doesn't it? It it's does. an intermediate <laughs> level that right. just fills in paramedic coverage in places that might not have paramedic coverage yeah right. and it could be you know it's or i want to say equivalent similar to like an emti where you're between right. an emt level and a medic level where you EMTI, have the skills and the training advanced, and yeah, different whatever. states have different like things five. some might be able to push these meds some may yep. be able to do this airway management some may be able to do these invasive procedures it's right. all it's a hodgepodge right and so th again the issue is that these patients were uh, esophageal tubes that there was no confirmation methods that were used on them there was no uh you know it was an unrecognized esophageal tube and the bigger issue was that it wasn't discovered until years later where someone happened to be researching yeah this was a retrospective study right they went back through call mm -hmm. reports going right. back a few years on cardiac arrest because they wanted to look at survival rates and outcomes and things right. like that and this was a byproduct that they just went oh my god right now so incidentally they're doing a study um where they're looking at uh, the 30-minute rule, doing 30 minutes of CPR before moving a patient uh, to see if that improves outcomes. Um, apparently, the pre preliminary results were promising, which whatever, fine. And that's um, been done, that's been borne out a couple other studies. Yeah, and we, we've that. talked about kind of like the dual bell curve of survivability before. But again, you know, running through this issue, um, they looked at an 800-plus patient database, and again, they found these uh, 11 patients who had been esophageally, esophageally tubed. That's the word, right? Misplaced, unrecognized. Sure. Yeah, misplaced, unrecognized. Put it in the wrong hole. They put it in the wrong space. 
Um, and essentially, this amounts to uh, about 4% of the overall intubations, which is a wow. big number. That's a large number. It's a um, bad number. And again, this is all bad. stuff that was reviewed by Dr. Aslan himself. Uh, he did this kind of by hand. So he went, you know, and again, you see shocking numbers and you're kind of like, well, that can't be right. Um, he took the time to actually go through it uh, to find out. My favorite quote in this ProPublica article is, that's problematic. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the understatement. Of I don't know. My actually, my favorite quote is the quote from who said this? A lobbyist for the firefighters union lambasted the doctors, and it says here he said, "quote We're the experts." Yeah, not let, the doctors. this is an interesting. What? Well, Jess brings up a really interesting what? point. Is not what happened because look, human factors exist. Tra- there's training problems. We're going to get into that, but let's talk about the reaction and the response to this from the providers in New- in Rhode Island and from their EMS governing board that well, basically said the doctor found this problem and said, "Hey, look, you've got a problem with these EMT cardiacs. They're not recognizing esophageal intubations. We're having people brought into the EDs. Here's a solution." Let's take let's let's take them away from doing endotracheal intubation, right? And let's move towards the newer generation superglottics like the LMA Supreme, the Eye Gel, whatever you have in your place. These second and third generation things are pretty. the The, stu- the science is out on them. They're pretty reliable. They right. work pretty well. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that'll say any cardiac arrest. This is, should be a go to airway, and difficult airways probably should be your go to airway. And it was remarkable the response that the EMS board people, by and large, now not well, not knocking this, that they're yeah. firefighters, went back at the medical professionals, the physicians, and said, "You don't know what you're talking about. We do." Well, but the response we should talk about the response that we should have as a culture in the first place, which is horror and shock. Mm-hmm. Oh, like that—that that should be the first thing. Like I, I'm not—I'm concerned about how the state, you know, responded. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I worry that we see the study come out and we're like, oh, well, so they missed some tubes. That's a big deal. But like four, like so four. Per, what is what would you say is four percent of your call volume? That's a lot. That's a lot. Like that's, I'm that's sorry. A, that's like a that's lot. A, it's a huge number in the first place. But like four percent, like I'll, I'll argue that it's probably major traumas. I'll argue like shootings, let's say, are about four percent of your call volume. Right. I think that's probably that's probably fair. Yeah, sure. Maybe it's higher low, depending on where you are. If I told you that four percent of shootings weren't getting treated. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. Like, Jess and I, Jess and I chuckle knowing like, you know, <laughs> yeah. but no, but you know what I'm saying? Like if I, if I say like in our system, 4%, you know, all, yeah, all no. of our trauma shootings don't get treated. I, I would be kicked out of my office. And oh, sure. everyone or, would be or, like, well, this is Or terrible. even just that 4% of our patients are treated wrongly. Yeah. Right. And, and we know it. I think one of the biggest issues that this article highlights is, in that response that they had, like, who is this that said this? Oh, <laughs> the mayor. The mayor said um, that he he called ET tubes a life-saving tool. Sure, great. And then he uh, said he, he urged the board that was um, being presented this information not to restrict EMT cardiacs from performing these intubations because of, quote, a few misses. Bro, that is not... So few. Let's, well, let's hang, on, the, hang on. The like, mayor. The mayor also said he accused doctors of attempting to power grab. He said, "I might as well give you the keys so that you can run the town hall." Yeah. So the first. So a, a big like, overarching wow. picture. This was a bad situation that was responded to in the worst possible way. The good old across slipper, the board. slippery slope right. fallacy. Like, there, like, oh, yeah, you want to take intubations here? Why don't you just have my fucking job while you're at it? Right. <laughs> 
But that's well, the, like, but that's the point. Here's my wife. Point. But that's the whole Jeez. point is that like <laughs> right? this this bad thing happened. No one picked up on it until someone did years later. See, now it someone like... brought it up, and then every step along the way, everyone was responded in the exact wrong way. See, yeah. they're they're having two different conversations. So the study showed like, hey, you guys missed some twos, but nobody saw it. That's the problem is that nobody recognized it. Whereas the mayor is like, ah, a few a few missed tubes. Like, okay, but it's not the problem. Not of missing only did the, the mayor say that, I am reading right here. So the full quote is, "We're the experts, not the doctors who are doing it when they're in nice ORs or nice ERs, <laughs> nice ERs with bright lights and a lot of people helping them." And then the next line in this article is, "People in the audience applauded." What the fuck, Rhode Island? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, okay, that's been the show. Thanks, yeah. guys. Like, <laughs> thanks for coming to our TED talk. <laughs> like, well, what? There, look, there's a, there's an enormous amount to unpack here. Let's start with. Mm. I'm gonna I'm just gonna, just real quick. I do want to point out also in the article that uh, Aslan, the doctor who who worked on this study, uh, worked for 11 years as a firefighter and EMT before he became a physician. Right. So he, so so he, he didn't have an agenda. Game. Yeah. So okay. he is coming from a position of knowledge, and like the the actual line in the article is that, and it's after the applause line said he was stunned because he had worked as an EMT before, but instead of being cast as their advocate, he was being seen as an adversary because this is so just screwed up. like, you know, okay, well, they generally oh. disagree with him. Um, you forgot yeah. where you came from, bro. Oh, you betrayed yeah. us, man. You're, you're one of them, man, a doctor. So, and again, and this is, you know, this is, there's a lot of reactionary stuff. Like, you know, if we're going to take the skill away because it's a problem in the field, it needs to be taken away from everybody, not just the cardiacs. Well, then fine, so, do it. Well, but that's the, that's the issue is that the suggestion came down to, all right, well, you know, if because we had these 11 uh, negative events, we're going to take away intubation, which is always kind of the, the, you know, instant response that people have where it's like, well, you're bad. We're going to stop doing it well, as, as opposed to well, well, temporarily. Like, what, like where did this go wrong and what can we do to make it better? Yeah, I, here here's the thing. There is a reactionary element to this. And I, look, the, the people at this table knows nobody likes tubing people more than I do. I love airway management. I, Not even I Kevin. Literally, uh, he, he only speaks for himself. Okay. I mean, I I love airway management. I study it. I read books on it. I I will I will sit there with a with an airway management you know manual and read stuff. I'll watch people do intubations. Here here's the thing. I'm going to tell you, the, the hot take from this is, this is not the exception. This is the rule. Nationwide, the amount of paramedic level programs that do it correctly are probably few and far between. Most of your paramedic programs do not give paralytics. They do not give the, pro, you know, the ability to do crikes. They do not give a lot of things that high-functioning airway management programs do as a rule right and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy okay um where you give you give <laughs> somebody that was my son <laughs> you give somebody a uh, like here's an example we won't give won't give paramedics paralytics because quote unquote they're not good enough at intubating to use paralytics then they shouldn't be intubated well you're right but the but they go well we'll give you sedation only what? but the studies show that Paralytics increase your view at least one full grade on the Cormac Lehane well, scale. Sure, you know, because they're, they're paralyzed. Right, because they're <laughs> paralyzed and they're relaxed and you get a better view. At the same time. Or these are the same agencies oh, that'll say, man. well, we're not going to give you video laryngoscopy because it's, so you, too so you can, it's too expensive. I learned with a direct scope, you can do it with a direct scope. Now, wait, wait. So it's, it's less expensive than the lawsuit? 
when it's done wrong? Is that what they're saying? Well, yeah. Well, so but that's that's kind of the, huh? the conversation we're having. Huh? Right? Like, it comes to a point where that ends up being your decision point, which is kind of it's, it's unfortunate on a much larger scale. Right. So being the rule here, yes. think about this. You have paramedics. First of all, we all know we've we've gone through paramedic school. We all know that it's very hard to get into operating rooms, even in yeah. our area, in our programs where we have a very progressive scope of practice. It's hard to get into an OR. Uh, a lot of anesthesiologists who have very, very high malpractice rates and very, very high risk of civil liability will not allow a student. And I got to be honest, I'm not so crazy about the idea if I if it was on my insurance to have some brand new medic go in there and crank back and knock four teeth down the back of somebody's throat Oof. because they wanted to get a tube. Sure. That being said, we have to allow for training. We have to figure out how to make that work. Um, well, the, and again, like the, a, a lot of the hangups that you run into is again, it's, you know, it's availability of operating rooms. It's, you know, how can we actually get people in? We know a lot of people aren't doing cadaveric intubations anymore because, no, and I know, think maybe so, we, maybe that's an mm -hmm. option we should look at. No, absolutely. I'm just saying, I think that, and part of the issue is, you know, also we have to educate the hospitals as to what we do and why it's important for us to right. get into the OR and intubate, um, before you get out into the field. Yeah. And even in the field, you know, you can't. This is one of the problems that I've I've always had, you know, with having students is that, you know, we would have we would have students who were generally speaking, you know, done with their clinical training, but they still needed X amount of intubations, and you just you can't make intubations happen, you know, like and we we've discussed this before too, like you know, do you want to intubate a dead body and do whatever else, you know, it's all problematic. Just go spend some time in your local retirement village. You'll get your okay, give it give it time. It's it's more of a waiting game. Than <laughs> just a good afternoon is all you need. But that's really the issue is that we can't get people into intubate. And that's, and that's saying that we can't get medics into intubate, let alone, you know, EMTs with higher levels of training. Because I, and again, this, in full disclosure, I don't know the training protocol for EMT cardiacs in this state. I don't know what they went through, but I'm no. willing to wager that most of their training were done on mannequins. And that's what it says know, in here. Yeah. And that, yeah. Well, so, and that's the thing. But like, and the, the, the example wow. that I tend to I can't give, believe go get them. That was it's loud a, enough. It's a siren. Go get up. them, brothers. Sorry. Um, so, but, you know, the, the example that I tend to give is when I was a medic student, when I intubated people, when I intubated mannequins, I straight used Miller blades the entire time. Hmm. And now when I intubate humans, I use a Mac blade. Right. Because it was easier to intubate a mannequin with a different kind of blade. Right. So, you know, a, and that's just, to, to me, it was representative of the difference between intubating a mannequin and intubating a person. Well, and if you don't have that skill of intubating a person, you're going to end up tubing the stomach and then 11 people will die from it. But even then, like, if you tube the stomach the first time you intubate a real person, like, the you should have the skills to recognize that you did it yeah. and not just leave it there. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like, right. And that's hello? Right. and that's the problem is that they didn't use confirmation devices. Um, well, we, they don't the, know. we don't know that. We don't know. That, that's right. Because the documentation wasn't. Well, they, okay, I'm sorry. They clearly didn't because they didn't fix it. So, well, if the documentation doesn't have it, they didn't do it. Right. Good. Correct. Point. Right. That's a, like yeah. I, now, the the other part of this to think about is so there's we know there's a significant training gap. Um, now, can this be overcome? Yeah, I think you can. I think with you know focused repetitive practice on mannequins and there are getting to be better mannequins out there, yeah. uh, more realistic mannequins that give you a good good basics like it's a good pitching machine to hit a baseball mm -hmm. okay um then you know maybe cadaveric studies is where we go with this because you do want live you know live tissue is important 
um, that might be something. I know I just did a cadaver lab a few months ago and I got 10 intubations, you know, like in an hour. It wasn't, but it was focused. I just literally moved from each table and did the steps and went through everything just like I would in the field. So question. There's a value to that. So question on the cadaver, Mm -hmm. how similar is it? Just, I'm curious. Well, the issue is that it... You doing the pedaveric intubations? It's yeah, it's as similar as you're going to get okay. to a, a, obviously a live person. Right. Um, the best actual practice is going to be with someone who is you know peri arrest or who is an mm-hmm. RSI. Like obviously, um, you know, doing it in a real world scenario is the best case. Um, but because you can't really manufacture those scenarios, your cadaveric intubation is probably going to be the best available tool. There are plenty of mannequins out there that are very very close. Um, yeah. yeah, but how expensive are those? Oh, they're, right? expen- no, they're very expensive. They're yeah. expensive. Yeah. But again, if you look at your liability, is it worth it? Yeah. I think um, so. I think we can all agree that paramedic students do not get enough reps in school oh, for them to be allowed not. to go do this in the field there's, without a period of supervision. There's apocryphal stories of medic programs out there where as if you were a medic student, like I said, you needed to have X amount of intubations before you could go out to the road. So let's say seven. Right? I think our meal was 10. Which, yeah. So whatever. The numbers are. But arbitrary. that was the dark ages. Yeah, the, the, like, number, like the numbers are. On mannequin, do you mean? No. 10 well, live humans. So okay. you'd have you'd have to do them on, generally speaking, they wanted on live humans. And what ended up happening was because with, you know, things like CPAP, uh-huh. we have patients turning around so quickly. That you, that you weren't you, getting You would them. see, you were finding intubation numbers dropping precipitously. So now we have, we have okay. medic students who can't intubate. So. There are medics who are being sent out onto the road who just do five mannequin intubations or seven mannequin intubations or ten or whatever the number is for the project. They're being approved by the medical director and sent out on the road. So, you know, again, and we're not. We're, mind we're, mind we're you, a lot of these systems, single medics, mm-hmm. single EMT. Yeah. So where you're the you're the person. Yeah. yeah. So we're bringing this up, you know, in the context of this Man, this issue so in Rhode scared. Island. But this is something that exists, you know, kind of everywhere where yeah. you have a lack of practice of intubation. And we know that if you don't, it's and with any skill, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, so the, and the other issue that I have personally with this is when when everything kind of got settled, um, essentially what, what it came down to is there was almost uh, there was no real punishment. Um, no, there wasn't. And so I and they and they quote called it, quote, unprofessional conduct. No, that's negligence, dude. Like yeah, straight I, up. So I, I, I tend to agree, I tend to agree with that. Um, I the issue that I have is, and it, when I say punishment, I I think that uh, that's not really the what the right word. Like re- no. retraining is probably the better option. But essentially, what happened was they strongly suggested that instead of intubating somebody, that they would. Uh, <laughs> you good? Um, could you it, be it, older right now and not controlling the volume on your phone? <laughs> You must be great at movie theater. Sorry, sorry, I was reading the gigantic text on my. T- <laughs> Hang All on, right. my so, my jitterbug's going off. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Leave it I, in. I hate. Um, <laughs> I know. But so, what ended up happening was they just suggested that you know intubation be kind of a treatment of last uh, resort, last resort, which isn't that the case, which is what it would be. And, but again, this is all something that could have been solved. Like what if we just gave people superglottic airways, you know, Uh, look, I think like that, that is, and we already know like the data is out on superglottics. They work perfectly fine. Pre-hospitally, arguably better than intubation Mm -hmm. in a lot of instances. They do particularly cardiac. So so why is it? So no, so hang on. So why is it? We're not having these providers, place superglottic like why are we having them intubate 
we know that there's a risk of esophageal intubation. Why are we not having them use supraglottic airways, which almost never have that effect? It's ego and it's tradition. You know, unimpeded by progress. Right. We've always yeah. done it this well, way. It's also, it's also a defense mechanism. Listen, and this is something that I argue a lot. We're the only medical specialty in the United States where everyone tries to limit our scope of practice. Everybody else is out there expanding what they do. And, Here, you know, Grace. you have people, paramedics are the only ones that are getting, that people discuss getting, taking stuff away. You'll never go into an emergency. You'll never hear in an emergency department somebody going, well, you know, doc, you've only done two chest tubes in the last year and a half. So you can't do any more chest tubes until you do a lab and we get you competency. It's not going to happen. Right. You and I both know well, that. Well, I actually believe that they, they do do that. But the thing is, they're so much better doo-doo. at self... Yeah, I did say do too. Um, <laughs> they're better at self-regulating that they actually take care of the problem before 11 people die. Oh, well, you mean they have accountability because they're well, professionals? Maybe they do. Oh, yeah. Maybe, they, maybe oh, they do. And wow. maybe that's where we need to go with this. Yeah. Uh, well, so let's, well, well, let's, let's unpack that a bit because that's... Can we, well, can I point out absolutely. in reference to that, um, the EMT that this woman passed away, the one who treated her... Yep. He, let's see, what does it say here? It says, um, what? He's already taken steps to so retrain he, himself. Because, yeah, so the breaches were tempered by the fact that this EMT had already taken steps to, quote, retrain himself on the relevant subject matter, end quote. How, so where's the accountability in that, right? So how do you quantify that? Well, right, and right? That, and yeah, and that's kind of the, you know, the, again, this is, this is a cultural problem because if you're in a hospital, you know, if, so working as a nurse, Jess, if you have like a medication error, mm-hmm. what's the process that you have to go through to report it? You have to, like, like, you like, have to write like, like, like an incident is, report. Like, you don't have the option to not report it. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You have to write an incident report. You have to um, directly tell your supervisor or if that's how it is at my place. Right. Um, and then you also, I think... I don't think there's like a, I think it's like your first medication error, you have to be remediated. Like, it's not like you go, oh, like slap on the wrist. Like, no, you have to yeah. sit down and be remediated and it goes into your file because it's a big deal. Yeah. Huge deal. Well, and, and that's the thing is in most places, if you like commit an error like that, like, yes, it gets, it gets documented, it gets reported, but generally speaking, like you won't get in trouble. No, with air it's, quotes. you get just remediated. As long, as Nor long should as you. you. As, no, exactly. As long as you cop to it. But human the, human factors matter. Things do happen, yeah. and unfortunately, if, good people do make mistakes. Well, if your place practices just culture, yeah, that should be correct. Right, and that right. but that's more the issue where like this wasn't reported. No one mentioned it. It happened to be found, which means that, so. So there's a couple options here, right? The one the one provider has gone through retraining, so it's entirely possible that he, he was aware. Video? Well, yeah, right. But that's I'd like to know what the training was, but mm. it doesn't matter. But it's entirely possible that they were aware of the mistakes and went to go fix it, which is worse. Because they didn't say anything? Because, yeah. So yeah. you know that you made this error. You didn't report it. And you're like, well, I'm going to fix it so it doesn't happen again. Like, well, it shouldn't happen the first time. I don't think I could live with myself if I did something like that and didn't say. I, I don't know. I uh, could I'll tell not you, if, I, if I had an unrecognized esophageal intubation, I'd have to give serious thought to going back to the to work. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think, I think I'd be... I, I would, would feel like re- such shit. Like that would I, be such a systemic failure on my part that I would really have to question what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, and again, there's there's so many different tools that you can use to confirm a two. And that, a and that's stethoscope, the, please. Right. Well, well, and so, but well, the, oh my the, God. The, and like 
using multi. That's another question we have to ask. And that's not what's in the article. And that's, I don't think that's fair to the providers. What did their departments give them? What was the culture at the organizations was, you know, like we've, we're in a progressive, we're in a progressive program where, listen, we don't put a tube in without attaching capnography. Well, I have the answer here for you. (laughs) I have the answer here. Oh, go ahead. Um, It is the state's protocol that it requires that the end title monitor be used. And there's a there's a line in here that there was so, that using, and it wasn't used in this case. Yeah, it was never attempt. They never attempted to use a device to monitor their patients' exhale so, carbon dioxide Definition of negligence, in order. my opinion. So, so I mean, okay. so it was. So they have it. It was just not used. Which again, it's it's the there. Whenever there's some kind of error like this, there's usually multiple decision points that have to be crossed, mm-hmm. and the biggest issue that I have is that there's whatever, nine or 10 decision points that the provider actually had to go to, had to go through to like not report it and then, you know, go get retrained and then go back to work. Right. And that is like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to intimate this patient's decision, decision point one. Okay. I'm with him. I'm with you so far, but then you misplace the tube. Now, did you not use the end title because you didn't know the tube was misplaced? Did you not know how to use the end title? Did you were you so fucking confident that you're so good that you like you had a first pass without really trying? You know? Oh yeah, the tube. Or all in. of the above. Yeah, like, I, that's happened. I mean, and you have that. Like, oh, the tube's in. I saw it go past the cords. Oh, it's clearly oh, in the patient's mouth. It's definitely it's there. Uh, right. Yeah. And and don't be wrong. Like, there's plenty of providers who like the the next. You know, when you hear like, well, I can intubate a rock. Like, can yeah. you, can you? Can you never you? heard that? No. Oh yeah. So you'll have people who, oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're so fucking good at intubating. They'll be like, I can intubate anybody. I'll intubate that tree. I'll intubate that rock. And then you have, like, you have like analytic minds where you're just like, so they're so far they're, up their own ass that they right, self intubate. Exactly. But then like you'll, you'll sit and think gotcha. like, but the rock doesn't have a mouth or both. Yeah. You know what? The next time I hear so somebody cool. say that, I'm like, why don't you go intubate your own asshole? You wow. know, I, well, you know what the answer be like, I can intubate that rock. Be like, do it. <laughs> do it. I want to. I want to see you intubate do that it, rock. Do it. You won't. Prove yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Find the vocal cords on the rock. Do it. I dare you. You're not allowed. I dare you. I want you to. You're not allowed to use a power drill. Okay. So <laughs> let, let's let's get back to this. What are what? So what are the t- again? What are we? What are we seeing here? This is a multi-system failure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. This is a failure on cultural on a cultural level. Okay. First of all, the 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 statement in there that the endotracheal tube is a life-saving intervention has been completely debunked in the science. An open airway, a patent airway, and an oxygenating patient is life-saving. How you get there is a variety of different ways. And not every patient should be intubated, even if you could intubate them. Well, the other thing I, I, that I, that. I, the other thing I want to add to this, and they kind of touch on this in the ProPublica article, um, and, you know, it's a little bit late, whatever, 35 minutes in the episode going through it. Yeah, um, 20, 26, but who's Yeah, coming? it's fine, whatever. Um, mm. The issue that, like, we don't know how moribund these patients were in the first place. That's we a, know it's, how it's, moribund this one person was. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so we don't, now, th- this is, and I'm not justifying the esophageal intubation, but we don't know... You know, what, we don't know what, if it if they would have survived either right. way, and that's which and I, I want to I want to add that as Absolutely. a caveat because again, yes. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not supporting the misplaced intubation, but you know, if you have someone who's been down for four hours yeah, and I they happen that. to have an esophageal sure, tube, I, you know, I, I just and I just I just want to add that for it's low like, hanging fruit, but you could you yeah, could argue, yeah, yeah, so yeah you can, sure. right? Well, sure as fuck didn't help. No, it no, did not. No, it certainly doesn't help. Let's let's point out that how can you expect your 
field providers to hold themselves accountable when the person in charge of the entire thing won't even hold them accountable, right? That's a fair point. Like, well, that goes back to Danny saying it's a systemic problem. It's clearly a cultural issue that starts at the top. Absolutely. And if the top people aren't going to hold anyone accountable, then right. there's I also can There's guarantee. also another takeaway from this that I noticed is medical director involvement. Right. Okay. Yeah. Where were the, where was the medical directors of these agencies? Who's looking at these charts and who is pointing out that there's a problem here? Well, well, that's hmm. kind of the point I mean, is that it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the director. We, it was, and it was and just, we're coming it from a place. Found. And look, there are, like I said, the, the exceptions to the rule. Have, I have an answer to that too. Have medical this, director involvement. They have multiple level QA, QI programs. Uh, you know, when we intubate in the field uh, at my place, it gets looked at by at least three or four different people. And then it goes to even a state level if we're using RSI. So we screw up and believe it. We know about it. And to the yeah. point of, well, you should have done this before this. And you didn't, well, and you you should, didn't put this assessment in. And, yeah. you know, it gets very, very nitpicky. It now, does. And your project, now, you can your complain project about have, it. You can complain about it. But the fact is, part of the reason that we think we're good at this is because we're held to a high standard. Well, right, but and your project should have 100% QI, QA, you know, re- regardless of what you're doing. Yeah, but any advanced if, airway use should be 100% QA. Right, and I'm reading in here in this article, the EMS chief who runs the agency's day-to-day operations said that with only other five other employees in his department, he lacks the staff and resources to proactively investigate. He's a chief of five people. Apparently. And how is that an excuse? Like, how is that a valid excuse for not doing your, like, job? That's It's, it's not, and I'll tell you why. There's plenty, there's actually, like, chart programs right. that can QA a chart based on keywords. Yeah. That you have, like, you don't have to do anything. And they're cheaper than paying someone to do it for you. Right. Because you buy it once. Yeah. and <laughs> But again, like, even if, if, let's say for the sake of argument that you can't get you know, you, you you don't have resources, so you're only doing whatever, 60% QA, QI. You at least just... It's at least, better than zero. Exactly. But at least do, you know, your advanced airway placements, your supraglottic placements, your cardiac arrests, and, you know, whatever, your penetrating traumas. Right. Right. Those are, those are at, at least, least the things, things that, that you, you know remember. need to be looked at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your high acuity situations. Those are the patients that need to be seen. Absolutely. Um. There's there's a lot of like one line gold in this article. Oh, I know too, that's. I love. I'm like having the same um, experience here with this article. For just for for what it's worth, uh, one of the EMTs that was involved in this was reached out. That ProPublica reached out for comment, uh, and his quote was, "I don't want to talk." I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes. which. I mean, yeah, I don't I, blame him. No, I wouldn't no, want to talk about it either. I, I, I don't want to talk about it now when I wasn't involved. I'm getting yeah. like secondhand awkwardness. I know. I am like, too. Cringe. Um, yeah. So that's it's something that I actually get. But and again, this is, I, I'm. <laughs> the notice referenced the 11 other cases saying they represented, quote, an unacceptable high rate for such errors, which, again, it's a zero error thing, so it shouldn't be. All right. Right. So, okay. So we know that this is, these are all things that happen. Yeah, so, so what's what, our takeaway, I guess? I, right? My, my thing is, I think that there's more and better training that can be done. I think, mm-hmm. I actually, I don't hate that when they talked to the providers, they were like, okay, listen, like, we're going to have to like get better with this. Right. I don't like, I, mean, I don't love the response of, you know, well, instead of doing advanced airways, you should, you know, lean more toward 
doing other measures. Know, other measures. I mean, that should have been happening anyway. Well, so. right. And that's kind of the argument of like, you know, this this entire situation could have been solved if you had EMTs of whatever training level placing superglottic airways. You know, you yeah. wouldn't like literally this. Is, there's very few times where it's like none of this would have happened if. I mean, and from, if you, you right. know, three, and this is this is recent. This is not, you know. This isn't like 20 years ago where it was difficult to get. No, this was in the past two years, right? Yeah, two and like a half you, years. You can give years. you can give EMTs eye gels and they can place them, and the success rate of placement of an eye gel or whatever and whatever Very super product you're using is is uh, above 96. percent Sure. So right. you know, okay, use them instead, and like you know, we, like we know that they work. So I think that I mean every every commercial superglottic airway has its advantages and disadvantages. Sure. Sure. And you know, some may be better than others. You'd have to look at the science, but the but, fact is, is this is something that works. But do you the know what's extraordinarily difficult to do with a superglottic airway? Fuck up, Mis- misplace it, put it in the esophagus. Like it's yeah. it's, ex- <laughs> it's extraordinary, and that, but that's one of the advantages. So like drop it. And in listen, the goose. I, I, I have t- seen superglottics placed that were placed in not well, and they were still working. Yeah. So yeah. And, and here's my thing. Don't worry. So I'm still. The, that's I'm still the margin on, of error you get with them. Then, I'm mm-hmm. still on the boat of intubation is an important skill that we should use. Absolutely. I think it works. Like I know, and pre-hospitally there's. But some, critical thinking is also an right. important skill that you should use. And like pre-hospitally, there's some variability on the data as to imp- improving outcomes. But in the hospital, right. we know that they do improve outcomes, which is fine. But Great. that having been said, a supraglottic airway. Like if, if I misplace an endotracheal tube, as we've seen here, it goes into the esophagus and I'm going to inflate their stomach and then the patient might die from it for not being oxygenated. Cool. Mm-hmm. If I misplace a supraglottic airway, I've put it in the trachea. Right. It's so not in the wrong it's place. Like, there's it's still there in even the with the new, There, there is no the wrong newer, place to put it. Right. But even the newer designs, I mean, the older first generation ones, if you look at the combi tube and yeah. I train on a combi tube. But the eye gels are like... We still had them for a while. Those were... Those were dicey because you could have two different ways it could end up, and you had to troubleshoot right. yeah, right. it out. But that's, but that's not the case anymore. They're no, all the eye gels, like you can, right. The second generations were more single lumen. Now you're having where you you really can't put these things where they won't go. No, right? Because it won't. Fit. You know, if you <laughs> look at, and, that's, that's and, and I'm not picking one over the other, but no, if you look yeah. at an LMA or if you look like an eye gel, and we only say eye gel because it's really just so different from the other ones. It is unique. Um, it's unique. It is. Um, there's really no place you can't. But you also, can like this. an eye gel is a silicon mm-hmm. LMA. Like mm-hmm. it's not. It's it's, a, it's generally know. an LMA with some with some bells and whistles. But so, but the the thing is, if I and I only say this because, like I say, this entire situation could have been avoided if you know what. We're not really sure about your intubation skills, and we know that you're not getting a lot of intubations. So right. let's address what that. we're gonna do is we'll give you SGAs. And you can mm. use them instead. Okay. Sure. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Listen, yeah. and again, it's the same yeah. thing where like the response to it was, well, you know, instead of intubating, you should use other measures. Give them superglottic airways. Right. Like that's the, uh, this. Mandate we, their use. We've, we've mentioned like every decision that was made along the line here was done the absolute wrong way. And one of the things yeah. that could have been done is like, okay, so instead of, you know, using endotracheal tubes, here's your superglottic airway. And then tell the hospitals in, um, I'm sure, the vast space of this state of Rhode Island. Okay. Tell them all. Okay. You know it's, what? It's a Our, little small. But tell that's all like, three tell hospitals. Tell them all. I, well, it's oh, not the size of the state. <laughs> sorry, it's how I'm you sorry. use it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to be a uh, size. So here, here's a couple hot takes, too. But, but no, but here's the thing. So you, you implement that policy. And then you tell everyone that now the EMTs and medics are using superglottic yeah. airways. And when, once that's implemented, if the hospital has a problem with it, well, they're just going to have to adapt right. to superglottic airways. Sure. Yeah. That's it. That's that's how 
how this entire situation is avoided and it never happens again. Right. And, have the and, you carry... and you approach it from a patient care perspective. It's better for yeah. the patients. It will help patients to survive better. It will lower the effective filter in airway management. It will do a lot of positives. Right. Have and the, you want to intubate them in, carry... listen, and if you want to intubate them in your ED or you want to intubate them in your ICU, go right ahead. It's fine. Right. Sure. Have, have the medics still carry advanced airways okay. let's, and then right. use that. Let's pretend that the superglottics didn't exist. All right. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay. They didn't exist. Okay. We only have ET tubes. All right. Just check their placement then. <laughs> it's a... Use use the tool you like have a, to that's do it. Another, use your tools. That's another, like use your stethoscope. Well, that's another. Use your huge, eyeballs. Like, oh, the abdomen's distended. I wonder why that's that happened another, all of a sudden. That's another mm. huge, huge takeaway from this. Like, if you are doing intubation out there, if you're an ALS uh, clinician, you're doing intubation as part of your scope of practice. I really want you to get the idea of if you don't have a capnography waveform, you do not have a tube. Right. Stop yeah. believing. Right. Listen, your ego and will lie we, to you. Your brain will lie to you. Yes, it went through the cords, but if you don't have a waveform, how do you know you it didn't pull slip? That tube. Well, and here's the, and here's the thing: also, if you pull a good tube, sorry, that's fine. Yeah, right. I, I'll, fine. I'll even buy if you place a tube and you have a waveform, but you're just not sure. Pull it and do it again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But can we discuss, can, like, I for real? Or at least how long? Look. How long does it take to attach the capnography? To the tube. It doesn't. Listen, that's how long. That how many seconds? seconds is a long time. It does. Oh, is it? <laughs> it does. Mm. You actually go back in time when you put it on it so oh fast. Oh my god, that so, explains a lot. Well, so here's another variable too with this, which you know it, it speaks to a kind of a bigger. Uh, oh wait, cultural can I, problem can I just say one two one thing sure. more about uh, confirming? Stop looking at misting in the tube. Stop looking oh, at yeah. other clinical signs. People do that, and All yeah, the time. and and even breath How sounds, even breath sounds and epigastric sounds will lie to you. Yeah. They will, but okay. if you check it, but you'll catch it. But if you but hear I it, I can't like tell it, you how many times I've heard people say, "Well, I didn't get a waveform, but oh yeah, they didn't. Have, they had good breath sounds. They didn't what? have any belly sounds." Again, no waveform, no tube. Let's stop it. Right, right. And your but, pulse ox, your pulse ox is a rearview mirror. It's yeah. not a windshield. Your pulse ox lags. By the time well, you see that critical we, desat, that patient is already critically sick. And we what, also we, yeah. we talk you about can't depend you know, on it. We talk about thinking about the patient that you're going to intubate before you got them. Just ate seven pounds of Kevin's famous chili. You know, <laughs> yeah, Kevin, Kevin Malone, not Kevin Mazza. Uh, I'm, I'm well aware. We shout, watched the office shout now. Out to the office. Um, oh, okay. So, but that's the thing. Like, so the misting in the tube thing. <sighs> you know, no. if you happen to intubate the esophagus, you're going to see condensation on it, especially sure if they just you eat. You'll yeah, also there's liquid in your stomach. Right. You'll also it's likely possible. see a small wave, a small waveform if they've had carbonated beverages. So like right. that's a there's there's other things that you have to add to it because I've intubated people in the trachea and had a capnography of four. But Which you have is, a waveform. So like, yeah, but you can have. What I'm saying is, that's you can fine. have a waveform in the esophagus, but that's not. That's but, and that's, that's been held up as there. consistent. That is that is good. That placement is okay. Yeah, right. because your machines will generate a CO2 waveform down to about the lowest I've seen is three. Yeah. Wow. Okay, and you will see a tiny waveform, and if you change your lead, if you change your mm. your scale on your your end title. You'll see more of a waveform yeah. okay. because it's generally between fifty and hundred. If you see like that little bump, t- 
turn that down, turn that range down to 20. And turn actually it down check. to 10. Yeah. And you'll yeah. see gotcha. that waveform. It's the same concept if you have someone who has like low conductivity, you turn the gain up on the EKG. Right, right. Same Makes idea. Sense. Same I idea. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, so, but the other thing I want to talk about on this too is just from a cultural standpoint, because one of the things that they mention is that the tool. Uh, you know the the capnography device that they had State was mandated. available, which is not used. But here's another thing I want to I wonder about. Um, and again, this isn't an accusation. It's just kind of it's thinking out loud on a microphone that's going to be broadcast around the world. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Did they not use the tool because maybe they didn't have it because they didn't check their truck? Oh, that's also it's possible. A very possible. That goes scenario. back to a cultural and an individual yeah. practice thing. Right. If you're not checking. Which, it, you're going to trust your vehicle? You Listen, check your vehicle. I've been there. I've done it before. However, the times I've done it, I worked the day before and I was the last person to use the truck. It's still not a good idea. Um, Different. Still, I, I, I'd be okay still, with that. But uh, it's still shitty You still practice. give it the once over. Right. Like I've been there where like you show up, you get a call early and you just don't get a chance before you get your call. I've sure. been there. However, like... Well, but also, and again, and I'm, I'm just, this is spitballing. Oh. I don't know how the system, because there's systems that work where like they're a private agency actually stocks your truck right. before your shift. So that right. it's entirely possible that possible. this is the case. I, cool. I don't the, know if they the have like project. Like, I was going to say, that's pretty yeah. cool. I've, like, worked, I, I've worked at a system with this. Or, really? Yeah. You have vehicle service wow. technicians. So, but like, like, like yeah, I, I like legitimately don't know. Stuff. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, Everything's awesome. wrapped for you. But yeah. I am interested to, if, if that's part of it. Like, did you not, did you not, now either way, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not negligent. We but don't know. We'll never do, know do unless we, we talk to the actual clinicians and they're not going to talk. Yeah, right. They, they now, well, why would they talk? Why so would I they have, condemn themselves? Yeah. So I have two hot takes that I want to throw okay. out before we throw come up on the hard out. First of all, I from looking at this, from reading literature and from talking to people and, and basically you know being an airway geek, I've changed my perspective on this. Okay. I think, first and foremost... That if your program, if your medical director will not give you paralytics, video intubate, video laryngoscopy, and give you the tools you need to do your job, including a ventilator, you shouldn't be doing intubations at all. Mm. Secondly, I think... Especially if there's a longer transport time, like... I don't care if you're five minutes from the hospital or 50 minutes from the hospital. If you don't have the tools to do it appropriately, you shouldn't be doing it. Second take... If you are a brand new paramedic and this is going to piss you all off, trust me, I don't think your training is sufficient to allow you to go out in the field and intubate. I think they know that deep in their hearts. And I think that that paramedic intubation, I think we're coming to it in this country. I think we're coming to it where we need to make this. If we're going to save this as a scope of practice, we have to give it to the people who are going to do it appropriately. That means you come out of medic school. Here's your superglottics. Here's your other tools. You're going to learn to manage airways. You're going to get some experience. And then... When you show us, we're gonna we're going to teach you how to intubate safely and correctly, and that means checklists, that means paralytics, that means all the tools that are available in the ED out in the field. And once you've passed that course and you're credentialed, then you're going to be held to a standard. So what you're saying is it should be separate from your license. I think it should be separate a separate credential. I like that. So at a, I dig that. I, I've worked in a place before where you can't perform specifically the RSI procedure until you've had um, X amount of time on the on the unit. Well, I think it was like 200 hours before. Like even you if could, you're experienced, you mean? 
Yeah, yeah um, because it's part of your credentialing to actually perform the procedure there. So okay. it doesn't matter if you came from another state or another gotcha. project. You have to spend 200 hours working there before they even let you RSI something. I like that, too. And I think we're taking I, like take, a probation period. And you have to take like a uh, in-servicing. Like, like an, a pretty, so a pretty like comprehensive a, a probation period. So Basically. it's their quality control. And there are, right? and the other thing too is I think there's airway programs out there. There are airway education programs that yeah. are out there that are very, very good. Uh, you can find them on the internet. Uh, there's a couple excellent ones. Uh, if you're interested, you can DM us and uh, we'll, we can so put you in touch. Slide into those but so what I'm taking out of what you're, you're not, saying. If you're not seeking out this knowledge, Probably shouldn't be intubating. What I'm taking from what you're saying is, I'm going to compare it to like a, being a nurse. So you're pretty much saying like kind of like how nurses have a general scope of practice, but if you're a a, a chemo nurse, you have Correct. to get a chemo certification. Correct. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I dig don't, that. I don't hate that. I think that you know the more you practice, the more you know you should be able to do things. I don't know about the ventilators, just because I think there's a cost concern. Yeah, I think um, my like would I, it be ideal? Basic, yes, basic yeah, transport yeah. ventilators are dirt cheap and they make your life so. Are much Are they cheaper easier. than a bag valve mask? No, no, but so that but that's but that's they're reusable. Kind of my point, though. Yeah, so but I guess like then try hard enough to believe it. Well, <laughs> yeah, we can argue that, but then you got to, you know, it's not an over caffeinated 18 year old banging away <laughs> at 40 reps a minute, giving your patient volume trauma and barotrauma and squeezing right. it all the way, down. which also yeah. contributes to poor outcomes, which also contributes to literature that says paramedics. Well, put a peep valve on your BVM. Well, so and I and no. but well, that's I, great. Peep valves are great, but if you're squeezing 1800 oh, mLs sure. per. Yeah. Breath, but I, and times I, I do agree. Well, I do agree with the medical director. Pediatric bags. Well, that's we true. Should, yeah. we, I, that's I, a whole nother oh thing God. we should be talking well, about. Well, and, and I do agree with the medical director, medical director thing too, because I, I had the privilege of working for a project where I couldn't do anything mm-hmm. if I wasn't signed off on by the medical director who insisted on evaluating us personally. Which I so, guess, depending on the size of your organization, is right? And that's the thing. Feasible, it was, it's, right? a, it's a large university affiliated hospital system. So how like did that, they do it then? He they came made around, the time. Yeah, he wow. came around individually. Good for like, that, that, was, that person. Like, and it, they had the wherewithal where like the medical director's job was to be the medical director of EMS and he happened hmm. to be an attending. Like it was wow. like, that's, that's how they leave. So oh, yeah. that was his secondary. Like yeah. medical so, director was his like main beef. Right. And that, gotcha. that's like a lot of like bigger cities will have that type of model cool. too and they'll have people like that go out and do that. But again, you know, you try and do like quarterly competencies. Or you need like an that. engaged so, clinical department and yeah. that's run by an engaged medical director. If you hmm. don't have that, you're going to have problems. It's all got to start at the top. Right, exactly. And everything has to kind of come right. down from there. You have to have someone who's engaged, who cares, who you know takes the time to actually make sure that you're doing the right thing. So we want to know what you guys think about this. This was a, a kind of a big story, and we're getting to it a little bit late because we had the holidays and the new year and all that kind of stuff. But now we're here. Um, we do want to know what you guys think, so let us know over on productions at gmail.com. Also leave comments uh, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Google Play and all that other kind of stuff. Um, we also have, uh, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Overrun Productions. We are at Twitter on Overrun EMS. We also have merchandise available from our website. So if you go on, you can click the merch site there. Get a Do Better shirt. Get one We're for on your, Snapchat. We are also on Snapchat now. I have now no idea how to use it, but we're on Snapchat. <laughs> I don't but think, we are. But we are I, don't, yeah. I don't think Jitterbug has a Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it has a camera on it. <laughs> Um, oh, we also have, actually, we have we have onesies for children now, right. which is fun. Um, which I think my son is finally big enough to wear now. Fits. I think he can I think model. So. All right. I think it's a six month onesie. So we'll there you go. It. So now we'll have a new mascot. Yeah, we'll just put him on. Where the, the heck? We'll, is, we'll have yeah, him be good. the uh, the iTunes cover. The small, art. The small pup. <laughs> 
So, but yeah, we want to know what you guys think. This is a, a big deal kind of story. Um, you don't hear a lot of big deal stories in EMS, but this was one of them. So let us know through all those uh, all those channels. And for The Overrun, I'm Ed Bowder. I'm Dan Foster. I'm Kevin Mazza. And I'm Jess Mastercola. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Get home safe.